chance to feel like heroes too Forever we'll win And if we should lose We know someday we'll go all the way Yeah, someday we'll go all the way Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. Our guest today is Stacy Heaton, who is on the new blog, Cubs DNA, which I think you should check out, but we have a pretty good talk about the Cubs, again, not doing anything this offseason. The offseason of inaction continues. We talk about what moves we would make if, you know, the Cubs had money and we were in charge. Uh, talk a little bit about Yasiel Puig coming to the Cubs, which I don't know if that's going to happen, but it is an interesting topic. Uh, a little bit about Joey Votto, uh, who should get more respect. I know he's on the Reds, but he's pretty entertaining. Um, and other than that, it's just a fun conversation. You can follow Stacy at Stacy Heaton on, twi- on Twitter. And uh, without much further ado, here's Stacy. Welcome to Holy Cow Cubs podcast. I'm glad to have you on. Thanks for having me. All right, so uh, just get into it. It's been a very slow off season for the Cubs, especially compared to everyone else. There's been a lot of big deals going on, but not many involving the Cubs. So I thought I'd just ask you, you think anything good is going to happen for the Cubs this offseason? Or do you think it's just going to be nothing? Well, I, I don't think it's going to be nothing, and I don't necessarily think it's going to be good either. I guess it depends on what your definition of good is at this point. I mean, the fan base is pretty divided, right? Um that Chris Bryant trade is feeling like it's kind of going to happen, isn't it? Um, yeah, that's what the, the word's been anyway. And you don't want it. You don't want it to be that. But it, every, I've been talking to a few people and everyone seems to be the Cubs have to cut money and somebody's going. And the hot topic has been Chris Bryant. But I guess I can just ask you for your what are your thoughts on that? Are you for or against Chris Bryant being moved? I am against Chris Bryant being moved, um, and I I have a lot of thoughts on it, though. I guess that my first thought is that I'm not really necessarily, you know, buying into the whole narrative that moving Chris Bryant is a necessary thing financially for the team. You know, I we all know that the Ricketts can afford to pay more players and build the team and I don't think that trading your 27-year-old elite MVP caliber third baseman in the prime of his career is the way to go about doing things at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I'm not real thrilled with the idea and uh, think there are other ways they could go about getting where they want. And so, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too pumped about the idea. That's, we'll start there. Yeah, that seems to be the uh, consensus for everyone. I don't think anyone is super on board with this idea, but I guess it's just the situation we find ourselves in. And, you know, there's the other thing, too, is just this, like you were saying, this whole lack of money thing just doesn't feel like with a team that's such a big market team, now you're hearing, like, you, you know, um, the Japanese outfielder Shogo and now his last name is escaping me at the moment, but I believe talk- it's Akiyama. 
Akiyama, thank you. Yeah. Shogo Akiyama, and now they're saying that even he might be out of their price range for a two-year, $10 million deal. And it's just like, is, are we really buying that they're this strapped for cash? You know, I'm not, and I know that there's a lot of talk around the whole budget overage for the renovations on Wrigley and how that's now spilling over into the payroll situation. I don't buy that narrative. I mean, I know that no one from the team has outright said that, but that's kind of how they're trying to frame it. And I know that that's how the media is somewhat trying to frame it. I don't buy that the maybe 20 or 30 million that they might save on player payroll is going to make up for the tens of millions that they went over on their budget on the reno, you know, so um, I don't necessarily think those two correlate. The, I, and I have a math degree and the numbers just aren't adding up for me. I think that I've always thought there was something deeper there. And obviously, you know, teams do this every year. We see Boston now in the, the scuttlebutt about possibly trading Mookie Betts. And, you know, the Dodgers are kind of cheaping out now and the Yankees for the previous two years, they work to get under the luxury tax. And so, you know, teams do this, but I certainly don't think that those two things are necessarily linked. And I also, and I even wrote something about this for our Cubs DNA blog, but I also think that ownership is almost sort of displeased with the front office in a way. And they've kind of closed the pocketbook on them to and aren't willing to throw more money at their kind of errors. So <clears throat> we know that the front office hasn't done a great job developing pitching. They haven't done a great job developing a few of the younger position players. And not all the contracts have worked out that great. And so, you know, I I don't know that they're that willing right now to go out and spend more money on big contracts. And and I almost think it's more something along those lines than we're broke. I don't believe we're broke. Is it more like a, a what do I want to say? Like a revenge type, like, you know, I want to say revenge, but like, you know, we spent money on Hayward and Lester and like, you can't argue with the Lester thing work, but were they just mad that now they're in this budget crunch? So it's one of those things where ownership's like, nope, you messed up too many times. We're just going to cut you off for a couple of years. Uh, you know, I think there's some of that. I think there's, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, trades to compensate for pitching needs. You know, I saw someone on Twitter make a list of all the players they've traded away to get pitching. Um, you know, we've seen Jorge Soler go. We've seen Glaber Torres go. We've seen um, Eloy Jimenez go. We've seen a lot of really young position players go that the team could really use right now. Um to make up for, and really a lot of it was relief pitching that they should have been able to develop. Well, obviously, Eloy was traded for Jose Quintana, um, but and I I'm a fan of Jose Quintana, so I don't want to say that that was a bad trade. I'm a Q believer, but it, it was just a list of a lot of really useful position players that could be on the Cubs right now, but they traded away for pitching because they haven't developed pitching successfully um and then you look at the tyler chatwood deal and again i'm also a fan of, of chatty i don't want to give that impression but tyler chatwood deal they kind of jumped the market a little bit and maybe 
you know, paid him a little more than they needed to. And um, you said the Jason Hayward deal, that Jason Hayward deal is really a killer right now. Um, the Kimbrell deal is not looking so great so far. And they went in and opened the pocketbook back up for that one. So I just, I don't see ownership willing to go out and do a big deal. I know before the season was over, a lot of people were, you know, we're going to get Rendon. We want Rendon. They're not going to, they weren't going to do a Rendon. You know, they weren't going to do a deal like that. And I don't see another deal like that in the near future. Um, it's, it feels to me like it's sort of, you know, these are your guys you drafted. You need to develop. And I think that's why we've seen a lot of the shuffling and the sort of remodeling of the development staff and the coaching staff. Yeah, they try to at least find um, some kind of pitcher in the system, which is, it has been a glaring mess for like, you know, you think even dumb luck if you draft pitchers that eventually one of them will turn out to be a pretty good pitcher. And I'm trying to, what's the best development for this regime? And I don't, Carl Edwards, I don't know, who else would you say is someone the Cubs drafted or got relatively early in their minor league career that they were able to develop into a big-time pitcher. And I can't uh, really think of one. Uh, um, gosh, Kyle Hendricks, maybe? And even then, he was almost major league ready when they got him. There, yeah, really, been, there really haven't been that many. No, it's just been a pretty big miss. It's just, And I know the original strategy was, you know, we'll get the position players and buy the pitchers, so to speak. But you would think that, you would still try to develop your own pitchers. I always thought of that as a short-term strategy early on in the Cubs' rebuild, and eventually they would get good pitchers, but it's just been a total miss by the minor league development and a draft system of the Cubs. Yeah, absolutely. And so now you're faced with, and I get the thinking behind trading someone from your core to get some prospects, even at this stage, because after 2021, no team is going to pay, you know, really what you're looking at is is Rizzo, Contreras, Bryant, and Baez. And no team is going to pay for core players like that at the same time. But trading Chris Bryant two years before his contract is up to try to replenish the farm instead of waiting another year or waiting till the trade deadline in, you know, 2021 to see what's going to happen. It just seems premature. It seems like jumping the gun. And it also feels like you don't really have a replacement for him. Um, even at third base, somebody that's, I mean, obviously there's no replacement for his production. You know, he's led the Cubs in F war three of his five seasons and he finished second to Jake Arietta in 2015 when he was a rookie. And that was when Arietta was pitching out of his mind. So I, I'm not sure unless they, you know, I, I'm not sure what their plan is to replace his production, but um, that's a lot of production that you're losing there for some prospects that you're not sure are going to pan out. Yeah. So it's one of those things you just want to go for, what do I want to say? You want to go for the, if you're going to do this at some point, you might have to, but try to get one more year, at least with these guys, you know, together and try to get the most out of it. 
before you do might have to rebuild, but don't do it now. You still got a couple years with everyone still signed. Yeah. That's when you go for it. Yeah. Or even, you know, I thought it made even more sense when they were looking at Contreras because while I love Willie, he's, we have other players coming up in the system. You know, we have Miguel Amaya, um, you know, Victor Caratini's looking pretty legit at this point. And Wilson, Wilson has some problems with his pitch framing and, and some problems on his defense. Um, if you could move him to an American League team where he could DH some, keep that bat in the lineup, perhaps he almost has more value there. Um, that trade almost made more sense to me. But this Bryant thing is just, I don't know, it's got me bummed out. <laughs> I'm having a, a problem with it. Yes. And you are not the only one on uh, the Cubs Twitter boards right now that is, <laughs> seems like it's a pretty big problem for everyone. Well, like, you I, know, I, I wish it were a problem for everyone, but I've been surprised at some of the replies I've gotten. Just in the past week, I've had someone say, Bryant has peaked. I've had someone say to me that uh, the Cubs core is average offensively, and so they might as well start to upgrade now. Um, Let's see, someone said uh, he's uh, not going to resign anyway, so you might as well go ahead and trade him. And, uh, of course, the whole he's not clutch argument, you know. Mm I kind of get surprised at the people that are okay with trading Chris Bryant. It, it's well, mind-boggling. Yeah, there is this vein that I think maybe it's because he was such a high pick that he was the number two overall pick. But there is this vein of, like, fan who never thought, like, he never lived up to expectations, quote-unquote. Which, of course, sounds insane because he was rookie of the year and won an MVP. But there's this group of people that are like, he was supposed to be the greatest ever, and I don't think he is the greatest ever. And you, you kind of go to these people, he's pretty good. Look at his numbers, and they're like, well, yeah, but he's not Mike Trout. And I'm like, well, yeah, but he's incredibly good. And they're like, well, I don't think he's lived up to his expectations. And it's this weird, like, abnormally high expectation thing that I don't get it. I'll even talk to people like relatives and stuff that comes in. They're like. Well, he hasn't lived up. I'm like, well, actually, if you look at his numbers, he has lived up to it. Yeah. But there's this weird, like, expectation game that a lot of fans just, he hasn't met it, and I don't think he can ever meet it, and I don't get it. Yeah, and I, I don't know if it has to do, too, with his personality, because he's kind of quiet, and he doesn't, you know, bat flip. But I, I think he has something like the third highest F4 in the league since he came into the league behind Trout and I think Mookie Betts or something. So um, he has been the elite player. It's just people for some reason don't seem to notice and don't want to believe it when you say it. It's yeah, crazy. It, it, it doesn't make sense, but, but I guess we'll move on a little bit. And then, so let's say... The Cubs obviously have this budget thing, and we, I don't get what the budget thing is, but they have it. But let's say they didn't have the budget. As the current free agent market sits, and I'm making UGM with a budget that's, that's a, you know, fair budget, who would you try to sign? Hmm, that's a good question, um, because all the big names are already off the table already. Um, 
we could definitely, I think, use a fifth starter if money was no op object at this point. Um, Bumgarner just came off the board, but he's had some shoulder issues and hasn't been the same guy since he got in that ATV accident a few years mm -hmm. ago. So, and being here in California, I've gotten to see the frustration of the fans firsthand. That's been fun. Um, but yeah, picking up a fifth starter might be a good idea. Um, I kind of, I kind of like the idea of Dallas Keuchel, but he's kind of a gamer. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously going for somebody in the office is also a need. Um, and I've been seeing a lot of people say that the Cubs should sign Puig, which would be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. If base wants Nicholas Castellanos back, which you love the bat, you're scared of the glove. And, um, you know, give the Cubs a little something until Nico is ready. So uh, go Scooter, get Scooter. Maybe we can just call him Ryan and forget the whole scooter thing for a while. So you're on board with Scooter Jeanette, just not the scooter part of Scooter Jeanette. Cubs fans complain about the scooter part, so. They do. <laughs> Don't mind scooter at all. <laughs> well, Sid, you touched on it a little bit. Um, uh, Nicholas Castellanos, and would you be, you um, would you want him back or not? You know, I'm so confused about Castellanos because I love his energy. And I love his attitude. I guess the bad thing, though, would be you'd have Schwarber, Castellanos, and Hayward as your outfielders, and that might lead to some defensive problems, right? Hayward in center field, and, uh, you know, Hayward just loses something when you move him out of right. And so you would be weakening your outfield defense for sure if that's your everyday alignment. Um, you know, it'd be, it's just a matter of if you're ready for the trade-off and if you really believe in what he showed the Cubs in the second half last year. Clearly, I think you'd have to expect some regression from that. Yeah, it would be one of those things that you would have to, because he had an unbelievable, and the first half was okay for the Tigers, but obviously when he went to the Cubs, he just went crazy, and you never know with that transfer over. I'm interested, though, in your idea about Puig. That might be, because, you know, he's kind of like, a lot of people love him, a lot of people hate him. He's a very, you know, divisive figure, but he's pretty good. But then a team seemed to be reluctant to sign him. So you might be able to get him for cheap, but it it is an interesting debate to have. You might be able to get him for cheap. I think, you know, it's interesting. It would be, I think, some work for David Ross if you brought him on. Um, you you do have to get concerned about some of the comments some of his former teammates have made about him and his some of his uh, you know work ethic issues and stuff like that. Um, and then you know he likes to he likes to fight. He likes to. I think everybody saw the the whole Reds Pirates <laughs> dust up. Um, although I think that was more Amir Garrett's fault. But anyway, well, actually, it was the Pirates' yeah. fault for headhunting. But we won't get started on that right now. Um, but, you know, it, 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 the guy's clearly talented, and he's a great defensive player, and he can play center as well as, as the corners. So um, I think you, it, it shores up your outfield defense, and he brings something with the bat, too. It's just, you know, he's a little work, I think.
personality wise. So, um, but he's a lot of fun too. There's that other part. And yeah, I think Cubs yeah. fans would take to him. Yeah. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be boring games. That's for sure. That's for sure. So uh, you were talking a little bit about how, you know, you're from California, you're in California and stuff. So, you know, I'm from Montana and I'm, I became a Cubs fan because of my family and stuff got me into it. But I'm always curious about, especially people that come from out that aren't living in Chicago, about how they became Cubs fans. So I'd ask you, how did you become a Cubs fan? My story is, like a lot of people, I'm a WGN baby. Um, And I won't date myself too much, but it was a long time ago. Um, My family are all A's fans. And so I grew up in the Oakland Coliseum a lot with my uncle. Nobody calls it O.co or whatever they named it now. It's still the Oakland Coliseum. Watching the A's and uh, grew up, you know, when I was little, little in the whole Dave Kingman, you know, that era. And then um, the Bash Brothers and Ricky Henderson and all that stuff. And um, my uncle had me at games, you know, a couple times a month. He was a season ticket holder, but one summer I got stuck at home babysitting my cousins. Uh, I have two younger cousins and, you know, we're all baseball fans. And so the Cubs were always on and they were my babysitting aide all summer. (laughs) And I would just plop my cousins in front of the TV and we would watch baseball and, um, you know, it was the Rhino Hawk. It was Mark Grace's rookie year. So I guess that would have been 88. Um, you know, it, those guys, Rick Sutcliffe and just, it was just such a fun team and, um, they didn't have a great year that year, but they just had some, it, it, they had so much personality and Harry Carey and just the whole, just everything all together. It was just so much fun and they were so much fun to watch and, and uh, you know, it was kind of like they the Cubs chose me. I didn't really choose them. By the time the summer was over, I was a Cubs fan. And uh, I kind of had to break it to my family that eh, I'm kind of like not an A's fan anymore. Sorry. <laughs> and I've been a Cubs fan ever since. And my mom followed me and uh, was no longer an A's fan either. She followed me to the Cubs. And so... And here I am now, and I'm married to a Yankees fan, and my daughter is a Cubs fan like me. So, so I guess that means with your husband, you won, right? You, you won yes. out with the kids. Yes, I did. We have a mixed marriage. It's hard sometimes, but uh, my daughter is maybe Kyle Schwarber's biggest fan in the world. And uh, so, yes, good parenting over here by me. I think I think everyone can agree on that. It's like, <laughs> Your husband must be really excited this year with all the Yankees finally throwing their weight around. Oh, he is. But, you know, Yankees fans are kind of he's a New Yorker, so uh, he is cynical by nature. And he didn't love the nine years. He thinks that's a long time to sign a pitcher. Yeah. 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 That is a long contract, I will say. It is for a pitcher, especially so. Um, but he's optimistic and he's looking forward to seeing what they're going to do. And if this will be the thing that finally gets them over the hump. Yes. Yes. Poor Yankees. They've got a whole 10 years without winning a world series. Oh my God. I, I played the world's smallest fiddle for him. Yes. So um, I guess now kind of at the end of our podcast, I'll ask you 
a little bit about your uh, website that you work at, Cubs DNA, and just talk a little bit about everything you guys do over there. Yeah, so Cubs DNA is something we're really excited about. We're just kind of a you know ragtag group of knuckleheads from all over the country, and we met on Twitter, and we met over on our friend Bert's site at Bleacher Nation, some of us in the comments there, and um, the idea of doing a blog had come up, I don't know, came up before a couple of years ago, I think, and kind of got forgotten, and then not long ago, it came up again, and everybody just kind of went headlong into it, and we started it, and um, it's been really fun, and we just wanted to do something that we didn't want to tread on what, you know, Cubs Insider does, or what, you know, Bleacher Nation does, or what everybody else is already doing. We wanted to kind of do something a little different, and so we write stuff that's, you know, our family experiences, or our experiences meeting players or, you know, just stupid stuff that comes into our heads. Like I did a facial Cubs facial hair retrospective a couple weeks ago, you know, just some of it's silly fun stuff. Some of it is stuff where we're ranting or doing some analysis or, you know, just one of my favorites is our forbidden love series that we do, which is um, something that I kind of started where we talk about a player that we like from another team. And uh, oh, I did oh. I, I did that specifically for the purpose so that I could uh, write an article about Joey Votto because I love Joey Votto. <laughs> um, and it's just things like that and um, just whatever comes into our heads. And we're having a good time with it. And we're starting to get a little following going. And it's going really well. We're just a bunch of fans that are having fun doing a blog. So. Uh, Everybody should check it out. And there is nothing wrong with liking Joey Votto. Thank Someone you. That's like, what hey, I Votto. say. <laughs> yes. I mean, I will say one Joey Votto story that I've told on Twitter before, but never on here. Um, there is a show about Ted Williams. It was like, I don't know, PBS show or something, a documentary. And um, one of the guests on it was Joey Votto. And he was wearing a jean vest and a jean shirt double denim which is about the most canadian thing you've ever seen in your life <laughs> that sounds about right and i was thinking how could you not like this guy i bet he pulled it off too didn't he he did pull it off yes of course he did because he is joey Votto. see this is where your whole reputation like in the red started right you know, it is because it's kind of been a, the whole Votto thing has become kind of a shtick for me on Twitter now. So it's sort of, she's known for the Cubs and she's known for what I do in my day job and she's known for liking Joey Votto. It's pretty much those three things at the moment. Exactly. And I will say that I saw Joey Votto in rookie ball in 2002. Wow. The rookie ball team was here in Billings where I live. And yeah, Joey Votto was here, so. No he still had he, hair back then. Yes, and I had no idea that he'd be anything, but now it's kind of funny looking back on it. And he's become one of the greatest players in the game. Look at that. That's right. For sure. And the only guy I really liked from way back in the day was I really liked Billy Hamilton. And boy, did that come back to haunt me later on. Oh, my God, Cub Killer. Cub Killer yeah. extraordinaire. See, I should never like the guys from the minor league teams because – it's a Reds affiliate, and they'll all come back to haunt me. But. 
see, you're marking the cub killers. If you like them, they're going to come back and be cub killers in the future. Exactly. Remember that. (laughs) Yep. Well, I think we've covered everything. And uh, thank you for coming on my podcast, Stacey. Oh, thank you for having me. This has been fun. We should have uh, more episodes coming up. If the Cubs do something, we will jump right back on with an episode. But we have some stuff in the works. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at STH85. And you can also send me some questions via that if you want to email the podcast. HolyCowPod at gmail.com. That's the email address. Uh, Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on the Apple iTunes Store, Spotify, Stitcher. It's a few places. Just look it up. And if you could give a review and a rating, that'd be great. Make sure I know people are listening and everything. And Other than that, until our next episode, uh, thank you everyone as always for listening.